Good evening, we welcome you on behalf of the group. We should introduce. On the piano, we have Mr. Keith Gottschow. On the drums on stage left, Mr. Mickey Hart. On bass and vocals, Mr. Philip Lesh. On rhythm guitar and vocals, Mr. Bob Weir. On the drums on stage right, Mr. Bill Kreutzmann. On the vocals, Mrs. Donna Jean Gacho. On lead guitar and vocals, Mr. Jerry Garcia. And you welcome, please, the Grateful Dead. Looking for a musical conversation with substance? Inclusive, with hosts just like you. Well, we have you covered. Welcome to the Music Challenge Podcast. Sit back and relax. I'm Andrew with Jake, Kevin, and Rob, and we're sharing our favorite top shelf albums. Come for the music and stay for the conversation. And welcome to the Music Challenge Podcast tonight. Uh, you just listened to the introduction uh, by Bill Graham for The Grateful Dead on One from the Vault, the album that we are inspecting tonight. And we have good news. We have Jed back in the mix, so we're all four here. Yay! Yes. Yay. Yes. Happy to be back. Yeah, it's, been, right. a, it's been a minute. So, this has been a whirlwind of a summer. We're all together, and uh, we're happy to bring you uh, one from the vault by the Grateful Dead, along with a conversation about an extremely good album, Court and Spark by Joni Mitchell. Uh, Insane. Yeah, so you want to hang out and listen to some of that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in any case, Jed, how have you been? Uh, so, it's been a, been a minute. Yeah, you weren't on the Led Zeppelin Presence episode. I was not. No, so I... Uh, tell the good people how you've been doing. Yeah, a lot going on. Uh, yesterday, I got a brand new air conditioner, which is awesome. Because that's kicking ass. And then the week before that, we got back from Detroit for a funeral. And then that was two days after we so got back. So were you at Red Rocks at some point? Yeah, I'm getting there because that was the best part. But, you know. <laughs> it, it actually is yeah. the best I, part. That's why I was trying to <laughs> get you sorry. there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was. I was at. I hustled my wife into going to Colorado with me to see Umphreys, who she had sort of had her fill of, like in 1997, probably. <laughs> oh, like myself. No, actually, like <laughs> like 2007, really. Um, what a long time. But she yeah, feel she'd, you, she'd, Anne. She's she'd seen them <laughs> enough, and uh, but she had a great time, and the band is very different than what she had seen, and like. Yeah, I mean, she's not like emotionally connected to that band, but she really enjoyed seeing the show at Red Rocks. It's spectacular and uh, just an amazing place to Is that your first see time? music. I had done this run in 2019 as well in, with a very okay. different group of people. Got so, it. And it was like, that was the one where everyone else brought their wife and uh, I was solo and then... Mm. This was like with all different people and I was the only one with a wife, but she's super Uh, cool. She went to two shows. It was great. We met up with like some like beautiful, amazing friends that we hadn't seen from like back in the day of like bouncing around bars in Chicago. Yeah. They they moved out there like when we got married 
and we all had kids and hadn't seen each other and like picked up like it had been like a weekend and it was great place to reunite. Beautiful. And yeah, just had wonderful times with lovely people and it felt very normal. It was like the first time that everything really, I guess that Billy string show felt pretty like, like it was kind of back to being normal a few weeks before that. But this Touch felt on that for just a second. Very, Touch on that boot. very, uh, the Billy string show. I went yeah. to Friday and Kevin, you went to the Saturday show, right? Yeah. And I got the like ragers and you got kind of the sleeper show, right? I actually, I, so. I had, I hadn't listened to that Saturday show after I <laughs> talked to you. <laughs> um, but he just did a, uh, I mean, if anyone doesn't know Billy Strings, he's absolutely amazing. And his band is as well. And uh, they just did a live stream last night that I caught about the first half of. um, Oh, right. Yeah, Austin City Limits. I wanted to say Tiny Desk. And then I was like, no, that's, uh, yeah, it was Austin City Limits. It was awesome. He threw down. It was like, I, I, I told Anne, like I turned to her after like a half hour, my wife, and was like, I've never seen him flub a note. Like never once have I seen this guy. We've watched like a lot of him on Bluegrass Jesus. Yeah. And it's right. like, he does not ever screw up. Like it's wild. And uh he's accurate really, as fuck. Really fun to to watch and uh enjoy. He's so catch him while he's, yeah, he's definitely time. he's definitely on the way up and uh tickets are only gonna get more expensive. So go check right. this guy out. Right. Uh on. Kevin, what have you been up to? Well, um, aside from seeing Billy, I shot off fireworks for the first time in my life as a, uh, a person who lights them. Um, I've always been a spectator historically, but uh, had a cool little 4th of July celebration with the family. And, uh, What'd you dump when you went, like how much did you go in when you when you went and grabbed the fireworks? <laughs> we were just talking about that. Yeah, not much. It was under 200 because okay. there, there were people buying like, Oh, thousands. Like the dude, dude in front of me. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, so. So, folks, this this great new band. I don't know if we've talked about him on the podcast yet. yet, but amazing Chicago dude, Minor Moon, new album called Tethers. How long ago was it released, Kev? March, maybe. March. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's beautiful. And he is playing at a club in Chicago mm-hmm. called Shubas that I actually used to work at. And is a great little room and Kevin uh, was gracious enough to grab me a, a, uh, a ticket. And he just reminded me that it was tomorrow and that's going to get me through the day tomorrow. Cause I'm going to go see minor moon at fucking Shubas. Right on. Well, right that's on. what you've been doing. What, what, what else have you been up to Rob? <laughs> yeah. What else uh, is going uh, on? Man? I'll, I'll, um, I, last week, I took Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off of work. I drove my daughter, Autumn, to my mom's out in Pennsylvania. Nice. She's, this she's, she's staying for about a month. So I got to chill there for a couple of days and hang out with my mom and my, and my daughter and my sister and her husband and my nephew and have a couple of fires and smoke weed and drink beer and have my mom cook for me. And she lives in the mountains in Pennsylvania. It's fucking beautiful. Right. Autumn and Al, my nephew, are chilling out there for about a month. And then I'll go back out there and pick them up. But one of my highlights of this trip, I love to drive, folks. 
and I I got the drive back home by myself. And I, I, I covet those times and Kevin knew I was doing it. And he fucking loaded me up with some fucking oh, records, nice. dude. So I, he was sending them to me and I was just like queuing them up, queue it up next, queue it up next. And that's how I travel. I'll only listen to full fucking albums. I mean, I, my wife knows it. My daughter knows it. And it annoys some people, you know, when they're traveling with me at times, but that's the fucking rules. Previous to that, we talked about um, a friend of that, Jed and, and uh, Andrew have met before of mine that moved on to the other side and we had a memorial service and a bunch of awesome friends from like currently and then back, you know, more than two decades. And it was like emotional and recharging to see these people and they're, I mean, just awesome people. We, the three of us are lucky enough to surround ourselves with like literally the best human beings on, on the face of the earth. There's no doubt my greatest asset, these three, and then like a ton of other great human beings. Right on, right on. So I did that like the day before I took autumn and then I jumped in the car, drove her to Pennsylvania and it's been a whirlwind of a week. And then I came back, saw some fireworks with my wife and, downtown town that I live in around the lake. And it was amazing. Ate some chocolate with some psychoactive substance in it. It was awesome. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Cool. So Drew, our uh, pod messiah. What have you been up to, buddy? Pod saya. Pod, pod, pod saya. I like it. It's like <laughs> Benifer. Uh, yeah, that's my, uh, couple's name. I'm married to, I'm married to the podcast. Pod Saya. Um, boy, I had a list of all types of things I've been up to, but, uh, uh, well, my son won his little league world, or his little league, uh, championship game. Dude, that's oh, awesome. Way to go, that's Charlie. Congrats. Yeah, How old is he? Awesome. Congrats, Charles. Charles that's most down. excellent. You'll never How hear this podcast. Though. Charlie's eight How now. Eight. He will in like a decade. Him and I yeah. will be listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was uh, one thing. Uh, kind of dominated my driving schedule for quite some time. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm not at my house right now. I'm actually recording mobily, mobile, uh, because uh, uh, my daughter's in the hospital and take care of my son. But that's all right. She, everything's fine. So. Right I've kind on. of let everyone in on that kind of stuff. Uh, like I said, for those who don't know, my daughter's sick. So, so whatever, it takes a lot of uh, running around and uh, making sure both the kids are covered, make sure they got what they need, you get totally. to school, basically. Right. Um, and that kind of shit. So I've been doing that for the last week. Uh, but what I do have is some, uh, some tasty tunes that uh, are worth talking about. And uh, tonight we're going to discuss one from The Vault, which is uh, a pivotal album in the Grateful Dead canon, if you ask me. Um, so where should we start with this, guys? So, Why'd you pick uh, it? Start yeah, there. Yeah, you should call it, but, I, you know. All right. It's like All right, great, well, great album. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, let me let me first tell you uh, the kind of the occasion that it was was that um, in 1974, actually, the Grateful Dead retired, so right. they weren't even supposed to be together at at this point in 1975. 
And uh, what they actually did was they went into Bob Weir's studio and uh, made a brand new studio album called Blues for Allah, which is uh, a great one in their canon because just about every song on it is, is uh, most songs on it are still, were still played at the end of their run. But in any case, uh, in 19, so the dead had retired in 1974 In 1975, they played, they actually had a, couple of small small sets of music where they got together and they were billed as Jerry and friends and uh, they would all end up showing up and trying out some of this new music on people and um, but those were small showcase you know small dates here and there and uh, but this concert was billed as the Grateful Dead and it was special for a number of reasons this was an invite only concert an, right, an industry so showcase, if you will. All types of industry wonks, distribution people. Uh, you know, they wanted the Grateful Dead were in financial trouble at this point in their career. Is this and, because of Mickey Hart's old man stealing 150k from him? Is that in part some of the reason they're in, in trouble financially? In part, yeah. I don't think they ever really recovered from that for years. But they didn't even have sure. a just distribution company for their records. They didn't have. They were just in sad shape. So in any yeah. case, they, they were in trouble. They they weren't really in trouble, but, you know, I mean, they do knew they had the music, but they certainly didn't have the funding at the moment. Sure. So they decided to have this industry show, showcase where, you know, all types of industry wonks and everyone, you know, they wanted to get wanted to get the music from this new album out there in perhaps hopes that someone would actually play it on the radio. Sure. So the venue was uh, the Great American Music Hall in San Francisco, and the official date for this thing was 8-13-75, August 13th of 1975. So they rolled out this whole new album, this entire entire Blues for All album, and it was played live for these people, as well as some real tasty nuggets from their previous previously in their career interspersed, you know, throughout that album. So in 1991, this album was released and it was the first uh, full live show released by the Grateful Dead. And in 1991 was just when I was getting into the Grateful Dead. Um, people were playing it for me after, uh, uh, after bars and stuff like that, but it wasn't really sinking in. But I'm pretty damn sure that this album was one of the ones that I cut my teeth on uh, back early in the day. And uh, it's a blessed album. And, and in my opinion, uh, of grandeur stature, um, this is some just uh, regal Grateful Dead. I mean, this is fantastic. Keith, so I was just mentioning uh, Keith Godshaw, obviously, on this record. And one of my most respected dead fan friends. Um, and, and Andrew's one of those, but he knows this fella, Dan, um, loves all the Godshaw stuff. Like that's his, if he could pick anybody, anybody to play keys, that's his guy. Um, and in, in this album to me, um, of course is important because it was drilled into my head by a dude that, we're all friends with, um, and, and it finally caught, right? And it, and, it, and it holds one of my favorite dead tunes, U.S. Blues. I love it. Oh, I love that fucking song. I just Dude. love that tune. Yep. Fourth of July, for sure, man. Yeah. Abso- absolutely. And every once in a while, 
XRT will sneak that fucker in when I'm at work. And I'm like, but I don't do a thing for five minutes while they're playing that fucking song. So uh, I got an interesting tidbit about that song that probably isn't very interesting to most people listening to the podcast, but that song was first played in Champaign, Illinois. No shit. In 1973, really? known as Wave That Flag. Yep. And and that's where that's where Andrew went to went to college and where I met Andrew actually was yeah. Champaign, Champaign, Illinois. Silent Jam. Yeah, we Silent Jam. Just saying, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, at the Assembly Hall. <laughs> the old yep. uh, the old alien. Uh, Still there. It's very cool. Yeah. We've seen some ep- epic shows at that place. So in any case, you know, I was just going to talk about the album a little bit and uh, uh, get your guys' reaction to uh, various parts of it, or all of it, really. Sure. Um, so we just heard that introduction, which is, we're whirling up the band. I mean, it's one of those introductions, which really, you know, you know like the band is vamping and cooking behind them and is fucking awesome. And it goes into this help on the way. Uh, Which is awesome. Right. Right. Uh, help on the way, Slipknot, Franklin's Tower, the old help slip Frank. So what do you guys think of that? Yeah. The, um, the interesting thing about this album to me is um, it's, it's the reminder to me that there are so many different entry points into the Grateful Dead's catalog. Right. Um, I like the person that introduced me to the Grateful Dead, like toured in the late eighties. Okay. With, uh, you know, like did all the Midwest shows in the late eighties and that sort of thing in the mid eighties. Sure. And so was very much a, like a Brent era Grateful Dead fan. Okay. And like not specifically not a Keith Donna era fan. Okay. And so this, like this era, this album represented a different entry point. Like this wasn't an entry point. This was something that I listened to after listening to other kind of the other Grateful Dead first. Sure. Um, And this is, what's so cool about this era is that like the transition between the earlier stuff of the kind of 72, 73, 74, which had a lot more country influence. And do you think that was because of, of Pigpen a bit too. When did he? When was he out? Like it was Bobby. Here? Bobby thought he was a cowboy legitimately for a <laughs> years. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> it, it really was Bobby. Um, so a lot of that cowboy stuff was Bobby, and you know the for seventy two, seventy three, and then you know the seventy three was more of the jazzy stuff, and then seventy four was more of the jazz done with through the filter of the wall of sound. Right, and so. This Grateful Dead to me is like taking, it's more, this is kind of the jazzy Grateful Dead. Definitely. That's got a more full sound to it than the Absolutely. stuff, if that makes sense. Yes, it's and a so, continu- continuation right? of the 74 bit. Yeah. With the new music applied to it. Yeah. Um, and, and what's cool about this 
is just to hear it as new music and to hear it in its infancy and what they ended up doing to it later. And one of the, the things, Andrew, that I, I think we failed to mention about the Grateful Dead's performance that underlies this whole thing is that they were all, all on a large amount of acid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just assume that for every show. That's not really uh, <laughs> here nor there to me. But I mean, this one I think is, um, I think this one is a famous one in terms of like hero like the heavy amount. acid, heavy acid test yeah. uh, experience. So hearing the help on the way of Slipknot, Franklin's Tower for the first time, how did you feel like it stood up to later representations? It's composed, it's like, it's done well. I like I, what I, what I like about this era is probably Jerry's tone, I would say. Uh, yeah, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely so good. Like Jerry's tone is just, you know, kind of unique to this era in a way that, um, you know, having um, Mickey back in the band and kind of having that fuller sound again, yep. um, you know, it, it really kind of pulls it together. And I, you know, I like these as new song. And when the one thing back to, back to the drummers or Mickey, when they introduce one drummer stage left bill graham i was like that's a fucking band when you're talking about in our other drummer stage right it's just so badass right uh yeah i mean you know the the help slip frank what a way to start a show and you know because franklin's always ends in bliss right yes. right it's a blissful you know, it's, guitar solo jerry just i mean it's like the last lap of the indy 500 just right. wave into the crowd. Well, and it's also, it also became the universal signal of we're like, if you start the show with this, like it's the sign that we're not fucking around. Right. We're going to whoop <laughs> your ass. Yeah. Look at right. the, look at the other shows that started with a help slip Frank in the Grateful Dead's history. Like, right. you know, I'm going to look, the, I'm going to seek it's that code. out. Yeah, um, but I mean, it's definitely a signal of a potentially great show. Yeah, yeah this, in my opinion, this is a, I mean, and I'm not going to say this about all the new songs, but this is the prototype of this song. I mean, well, in, in looking at the album, one of the things I noticed is that except for one flip-flop of King Solomon's and music, they played it in order. Right. Which is kind of cool. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. So speaking I, of music, that comes up after Franklin's, right? Oh, music never stops. Yeah, music yeah. never stops. One thing about the music never stops. Uh, however, ahead. even if you don't love Donna, I I don't mind Donna so much. I, I wanted to touch on what happened last night because I went back and found like the exact moment, and it's at four. Oh, when was it? I wrote it down. Three. 
3.45. At 3.45, <laughs> music never stops. Drew and I last night were hanging out like for a few minutes and we started, we just were like, I was like, throw this on. And we got to like that moment. And Andrew's like, you just hear Jerry just whip his dick out, <laughs> like, yes. spread it all over Bobby's song. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, that is like, like Jerry just plays his I listened fantastic to it, like, solo. Jerry four times after that, just like, yes, like that moment. And he's just like, all right, let's be done with the, with like the, the, the singing thing. It just blasts it and just lays it on. And it's so good. Like the whole entire rest of the song is just, you know, them just riding that wave and it's terrific and uh yeah it just leads into like it's the perfect next next yeah. thing after uh after performance that ever. it was just terrific well this is one of my favorite grateful dead songs and you know there are definitely better versions of this song but this is a fantastic first version of this song Let's yeah that way after the music never stopped we got it must have been the roses which uh is a pretty perfunctory vocal type tune sure. uh nothing wrong with it at all uh i wouldn't call it a uplifter or anything like that but uh it's a nice song but it's more of then, the country dead a little bit yeah. yeah a little croony uh but then we have the whopper the whopper in my eyes is mm-hmm. the eyes of the world which uh, was a 74 giant, and they continued it here tonight in 1975. And uh, this is the favorite style that they like, that they ever played it in for me. And that would include uh, like the Jerry Phil interchange of solos at the end of it. Uh, for example, uh, you know, you want to pay attention when, when you know, Jerry plays a solo, then Phil plays a solo, then Jerry plays a solo, then Phil plays a solo. think ever again after this version because they entered into 1976 and frankly everything changed sure um because they were working out all types of new tunes and you know didn't all go smoothly every night but right. uh so check out check out these uh interchanges in the song it fucking blows your mind but 
to me, this is just one of the most friendly Grateful Dead songs uh, in the world, <laughs> Eyes of the World. And, and uh, in yeah. your eyes, Eyes of the World is one of the most friendly songs, Grateful yeah, Dead songs. That's true. It's true. It's fucking yeah. awesome. It's, it's an amazing song, and I encourage everyone to uh, check it out. And uh, so then we have the drums, which sets up the King Solomon Marbles, which just has an incredible intro on it. something they played for very long or very often um but you know who plays it nowadays no Who's i don't j rad no sh- oh, oh yeah, yeah j rad is playing it yeah yeah they resurrected this wonderful number and they kind of brought it back to the um i think phil and friends might have played it it's it at one point in time um i think i've seen some phil and friends shows with king solomon's marbles in it and uh J-Rad plays it, but yeah, like it's, um, I mean, this is one of the best Grateful Dead tunes ever, right? Abs- and, it's pretty and incredible. Folks, it's a drummer song. As, yeah. he, as he mentions, J-Rad, if you want to see some current Grateful Dead being played that'll blow your fucking mind, go see Joe Russo's Almost Dead or J-Rad. Amazing. Unbelievable. Um Pull, just to close the book on J-Rad, they pull all types of stuff up that that the Grateful Dead only played once, n- never played a certain part of a song, yada, yada, yada. So go check out J-Rad. But yeah, this was, I think, the last time that King Solomon's Marbles was ever attempted mm-hmm. by the Grateful yeah. Dead. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just that cool, you know. All right, second set. Uh, starts with uh, a round and round Chuck Berry song, Bob uh, Bob Weir cover, Bob yeah. Weir's cover of a Chuck Berry song. Yeah, right. is what it is. And then we come into Sugary, which is uh, uh, became a Grateful Dead standard staple. Jerry Garcia's signature a little bit. Love. Yeah, um, it's always an opportunity for Jerry Garcia to shine. Um, it's another one of those songs I think that, you know, peaked probably around May 77, um, Fox theater, specifically 519, if you haven't heard that one. Um, but this song rules, um, I love it. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um, he sounds great here. Um, yeah. And typically, right. Like in this tune, this is where I love, and it sounds like that textbook Jerry tone in this song, right? Yeah. Like if I, I mean, think of his tone, definitely, yeah. this is, this is what I think mm-hmm. of. And it's so lighthearted and awesome and like uplifting. I, I don't know. Songs like sugary. If you don't like that song, you suck at liking music. Like honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I don't know if we want to say that to our audience, my well, friend. Well, I mean, <laughs> come on. Sugary is a beautiful song. It makes it me is. smile. It reminds me of like wonderful times. 
Totally. Like I shed a tear listening to Mm -hmm. it the other day, thinking about like just live music in general and hanging out with like my closest friends. There's just something about that song that like connects, connects dots for people. And uh, like eyes of the world, you know, it has a, there's a connection to life in those, in certain songs. And I think that that it hits there. It takes you. Not Drew's favorite though. Right. It, it reminds only because oh, yeah. my band plays it. And, oh right, uh, right. That's why. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, frankly, it's a little monotonous for the bass player. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, it, it. But it reminds me honestly, like when I hear that tune, it. I think of you and I sitting at Alpine on a fucking eighty-two degree night, seeing music. You know what I'm saying? That's what Sugary yeah. reminds me of. Yeah. It just does. Yeah. It's a hot summer night type song. For Hell sure. Yeah. And we're going into a uh, big river, Johnny cash, uh, cover, uh, which is once again, <laughs> a Bob Weir choice. Of course. Uh, little, of course, little cowboy. And, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. a fun song though. Yeah. It's yeah. all right. It's Johnny cash cover. Yeah. Very I good. like big river. I think it's a good cover for them. There's a, uh, it's there's playful. a version. There's a version of it. On Spotify with Jerry Garcia singing it. It's awesome. It's really? a sound check version. Yeah. Wow. 72 live suck. Hmm. The box set. Then we go into Crazy Fingers, nice. which is first time played for them. And uh, there's, a, there's a point in Crazy Fingers I want to point out, which is kind of like this perfect Grateful Dead symphony near the end. Um where they just hang in this lulling part of the song, but they do it so damn well. And, uh, you know, there, there's a phrase that like, you know, a lot of the Grateful Dead's, you know, interesting jamming were more like happy mistakes. Sure. And, uh, and I have a real contention with that to tell you the truth, because I think they knew a lot more of what they were doing than a lot of people give them credit for, frankly. And this would be an excellent, uh, excellent example of that. little dead symphony they got going near the end of this song i just love it blows me blows me away because this one kind of took me back um and i listened to it specifically today on headphones and it's a freaking intricate tune i yeah it is again no idea this was the first time they would have played this tune but it's kick ass kick ass kev go ahead it's a beautiful song i don't know it's just it's the the thing that works about this particular set of music is the way in which they use drums. It's not too much. Um, like they use it just enough and it's such a beautiful outro for this, um, for this version of the song. I don't know. It's so right. well done. 
and intro into the other one. Exactly. That's what I was. It's a great transition, right? Yeah. Right on. And of I didn't the, know the uh, the heavy acid discussion was was a thing, and uh, it makes all the sense in the world to me when I think about like the flow that these guys right. had in this, particularly right. the second set, but the whole this whole this whole show is just so fluid and there's just yeah like they were they were vibing on a on a plane you know it's oh yeah awesome i I like vibing on that plane (laughs) (laughs) no way right on the other one the other one recognizable by phil's giant bass bomb at the beginning of course you know everyone uh familiar with the grateful dead uh that's one of the first things you learn Stage and Spirit, which is another one which did not really last very long. Uh, Bob Weir vehicle, if you must. Vehicle. Vehicle. It's just kind of a nice little instrumental track. There's nothing right. wrong with it, but it's nothing right. anybody's going to seek out. Um, going down the road, feeling bad. Uh, fun one. Fun one. Right. Traditional. Um, definitely a fun one. Definitely. Uh, you know, this was not on blues for all. This is a you know a throw-in, right? This a is throw-in, yes, correct. Uh so it's a good one. It's a lot of Donna. If you like Donna, US blues. Yeah, I'm Uncle Sam. That's who I am. And and like I, I love the I love when Jerry gets kind of it don't he almost seems like smart ass or Gets a little snarry, snarry right, in this right. one. Doesn't he mention P.T. Barnum in this fucking thing? Just shake the hand that shook the hand of P.T. Barnum and Charlie Chan. There you go. Yeah, yep. that's like the one line I know. <laughs> Luckily, you brought it up. Yeah, it's a great encore. It's a, it sends it sends you off happy. There's no doubt about it. Sure. Um well, and it's about as patriotic as born in the USA, right? Yeah. Right. Sure. I mean, it's actually more patriotic, probably. <laughs> right. It actually is. Exactly. Um, it's a beautiful song. Then we have the, uh, you know, I don't know, Blues for Allah, which I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on. But, you know, if you're into 21-minute uh, long instrumentals that have no uh, key to them, uh, then you'll probably like Blues for Allah. It's fucking out there. Man, but, you know, like, given the circumstances, like, and it was a private event, like, right. how much how how much of the audience do you think was staying for, you know, like, and enjoying Blues for All? Probably a lot more than on the re-listen. I'm not sure. a massive uh, space drums. Like, I don't need the space drums unless I'm right. in a very special place. Right. And then you'll die if you don't have it i think they played that song for themselves because they could play it they <laughs> yes. played it again 
Um, so Andrew, what do you think? What what should we go out on? We should we should take a break before we talk about. Of course, Miss Joni. All right. So that's U.S. Uh, that's U.S. Blues. That is uh, one from the vault. Uh, I hope very much that you enjoy the music from it. I hope very much that you go check this album out. Please. Uh, <clears throat> we're gonna go out on U.S. Blues. Actually, thank you. Yep, yep, because I love it and Rob loves it. And uh, for God's sakes, uh, it's just after the 4th of July. Yeah, so. Here it is. Uh, you should love it too. However, for our incredible international audience, you know, humor us for a minute. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so we'll talk to you later. This is U.S. Blues. We're going to come back and talk about Joni Mitchell. Uh, geez, Court and Spark. I knew that off the top of my head. I'll edit <laughs> out the OGs. Uh, Court and Spark. And uh, we'll be right back. And uh, hang in there. Take it easy. See, see y'all. Thanks, Bye, y'all. everybody. Bye. Back to back. Chicken shack. Son of a gun. Better change your act. This is Andrew, one of the hosts from the Music Challenge Podcast, and I want to tell you how you can help us bring you more awesome music commentary episodes. You can subscribe in the listening app of your choice, or you can share this episode with someone you think might dig it. Please leave a rating and review for us on the listening app of your choice, or you can get in touch with us at musicchallengepod at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook. Just search Music Challenge Pod and like us to follow us. We hope you enjoy the Music Challenge Podcast. And thanks for listening. to the music challenge podcast my name is andrew and we're back with rob jed and kevin what's up (laughs) (laughs) welcome back welcome back guys it's getting late for (laughs) sure it is it's getting late for sure so we want to do a little discussion on uh joni mitchell court and spark this album came out in 1974 73 like January, January 1st of 74, actually. And uh, it has, in my opinion, some things in common with the, what the Grateful Dead were doing at the time. Uh, so in any case, so let's just uh, take a look at the album. And um, it starts off with Court and Spark, the name with the namesake of the album. 
this song oh, is the title track of this song is so gorgeous. It just reminds me of the river. Um, it, in, in it being kind of simple to start, but unlike the river, it opens up, it gets all orchestral. Um, it's, um, you know, one of the things that Joni does so well is play with her voice and she just does an incredible Absolutely. job. Um, and we'll, we can talk about some parallel modern parallels later, but this is the first episode to me in this album where she does it and just kind of plays with the pitch and tempo of her voice in a way that just belies genius. Um, it's, this is a, this is a great song and just a great way to open this really top heavy album. It really is top heavy for sure. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, but this is a great way to start it. It's uh it's just a nice um, kind of breezy, jazzy. Um, did I mention what we came in on? Oh no, you did. Uh, uh, I, you I didn't mention it. Did. I yeah, mentioned, I yeah, yeah, yeah. We came in on car, car on a hill. <laughs> but y'all know that yeah. already. Y'all know that because you're also familiar with the album because you've already listened to it. Uh, car on a hill is what we came in on. Go ahead. Anyway, Court and Spark, uh, piano, accom- piano accompaniment uh, for the first song. And then we have Help Me, which uh, I have deep, deep memories of this song. mentioned songs in the back of from the back of our parents cars yeah totally exactly, yeah. dude totally my this mom, is what this is the Joni i know right my mom's 70 something thunderbird in the back seat dude and that's what this song when i heard it again on headphones yesterday brought me directly back to for, for me it was uh, a 73 le mans uh, nice. Pontiac Le Mans uh, with a tiny little 350 engine in it and uh, in any case uh, I just always remember hearing this I mean it was on the radio at the time and it just kept going help me and I, I was just I don't know it's one of those first memories you have in your head you know it has no context to it you just kind of remember hearing it and it wasn't until about five days ago that I realized it was Joni Mitchell <laughs> and uh this song helped me so like i remember when this song was released as a single strangely enough in 1974 just crazy but uh yeah so it's 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 a really cool song uh showing some vulnerability and uh um it actually was uh the second single off of this album okay um in in my basically i was like two day two days ago old when i listened to this record all the way through and when i do something like that and i hear something like this and i kind of mentioned this to you yesterday i'm like god damn 
why is it taking me 47 years to listen to this freaking <laughs> yeah. thing from one one to the end, you know? I definitely um, had that it's, feeling listening to this. It, it's brilliant. And we always have heard about like how Joni was held like on this pedestal by other musicians and like um, kind of it inspired other musicians to branch out or. She got CSN to, and Y together. Correct. Correct. Like at a party. And who, who exactly <laughs> like you guys can harmonize really well together. Why don't you start a band? And then like two weeks later, they had a record contract for Christ's sake. I think she had an ear for music, but, um, and who, who Graham Nash and, and David Crosby also guest on this album, um, of course, vocally. And, um, it's, it, it was, I feel like this was her, dipping her toe in the pool of jazz and then it kind of took off from yeah she went deep jazz after this well this is the beginning of a trilogy of great albums that are all like if you think about joni's jazz period you've got this and then you've got um you've got the live album uh miles of isles and then you've also got um oh the other one's slipping from me right now there's three of them um Hijira. That's right. Hijira. Yeah. Those are the three that like this, I, yeah, this, this album is brilliant. Like, and help me is just one of those songs. I think, uh, Andrew, you mentioned the make of the car. I think it was a 1976 grand Torino station wagon for me that I first remember hearing this song in the backseat of, or maybe in the the back behind the backseat. Right. In the backpack? Oh yeah, the the it wasn't even the, seat, the other dude. way. <laughs> it, was, it was just a shelf. Was, shelf. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you're talking about the package tray, not like the one that flipped up and you'd be. It was a the straight up window. station was, wagon. Was, yeah, it was there was stuff in the back hanging seat, out in man. the back. We were in the backpack, but um, yeah, just kind of Hell praying yeah. for the window to be down. But this song permeated the AM radio airways for a long damn time, dude. Yeah, it was AM Gold for the longest time, and it's so kind of Yacht Rocky, Joni, if that makes sense. Um, Totally. Right? It just sounds like California, right? Like, and yeah, it just, it you know, it sounds like California. It's it's cool as hell. I don't know. Uh, It's a a great single and a great song. All-timer. And... And like back to her being like an artist's artist, this kind of opened my eyes to, oh, that's why they, that's why they loved her so much. And like all of them did. I mean, Zeppelin mentioned her in tunes and um, I did kind of, you know, realizing like, I gotta hit the record. I got. I gotta hit the books a little bit more on these catalogs. Like there are a lot of catalogs that you just, they're in a blind spot, you know, and, and I know Joni and totally. like, I, you know, for me, it was a conversion van where I knew help me from, but like sitting there and listening through records on, on drives. Like, I mean, I think I'm going to be spending a lot of time listening to her doing that. Like it is dri- very Absolutely. much driving music for me. Well, totally. And, right. Well, on. and after, uh, after uh, help me, you got free man, right? Which is beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, awesome too. It's classic Joni, isn't it? That's the one with Nash and Cross right. on and, the vocals and, too. Mm-hmm. Correct. Which I could and not you, find and in there to save my life. Um, that stick, 
sticks out. Go ahead, Drew. Oh, the jazz changes in this are particularly tasty. got a weird pattern or pentameter of her singing which uh uh man she gets a lot of words out you know <laughs> as you notice right. and uh the way she sings to these jazz changes is just, just i mean it's like a bird it's it's just it's perfect i mean it's- one of my favorite speaking of free free man in paris one of my favorite youtube videos ever is that I can't remember what the show is, but it's it's somewhere out last. And she does this tune with her jazz badasses. Monsters One of, of jazz. them being Jaco Pastorius. And he absolutely fucks it up on this tune. I mean, it's, it, it's Jaco Pastorius, so it's Pat Metheny, it's Michael Brecker. Correct. Correct. I mean, and his brother, right? I think so. The Brecker brothers, two of them anyway. I, I mean, it's it's... It's a zappish type jazz, jazz it, monsters it of jazz put together. But the thing is, that's not the only time she did that. She's done that with like Keith Jarrett and uh, who is the other guy's name? I can't remember his name now. But I mean, these guys, just, they don't play with pop people at all. But they play right. with yeah, uh, Wayne Shorter. I can't imagine. And Herbie Hancock. There you go. Um, there she's you go. done it with all of them. Basically, because she's she's a, wow. like a jazz musician at heart. She's not the you know she's. If you listen to Blue, you hear a woman at a piano and a guitar bearing her soul. And I went mm-hmm. deep on that album, right? And this was one that my wife had had and on a CD back in the day and listened to a lot. And I hadn't really ever gone deep on it until now, but I'm so grateful that we did because this album is just, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. To me, it's like, this is the album where she kind of just starts to put it in overdrive where she grabs the band and she just makes it all hers. And I don't know, this is like these songs that she puts like the, the begin, like all of them, they're just, I don't know. She, just takes command of the music and of the bands and these really, like Andrew said, fucking monsters, man. These were Titans. These were jazz Titans. And she was just lording over them in that video. She just, you know, they're playing to not piss her off. They're playing for her. (laughs) They're playing for Joni. I mean, they're playing. Dude, I feel like Jocko when he, yeah, right. When he lays that shit down in that video, like it feels like, like you said, Drew, he's playing for her. Like I, I got Joni in front of me, and I better kick right, like, this. This in is the my ass, sacrifice. Right? This is my offering at the altar, right? Like well, I think he right. offered something else too. <laughs> well, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> it wasn't his only offering at the altor for Joni. I don't With think. the size of his fingers, I can imagine what it was. But yeah, but yeah, like um, you know, the next track, people's parties, like it's. Um, it, it she has the this is interesting too because she's got the track in there where there's like the crowd just kind of you know kind of filters in and and it's just more of her using her voice 
um, as instrument. It's brilliant. Well, I, no, I was just going to move on to the next. Kind of goes right into the same situation, into the same situation. Right. And then that's just her at the piano. And that's just the stuff to me that kind of reminds me of blue. I don't know. It's what's so cool about this song is it gets all twisty and deep and weird in the middle. It's like they pull the rubber band back, right? you know, and they like, they stretch their chops a little bit. And then that beautiful, like that flute just brings it in. And then those, those horns sound like Steely Dan. It just, it's, it's just gorgeous. Totally. Yeah. It's just gorgeous. Totally. And then the song after that, uh, I don't know, this may be my favorite track on the album and the one that like, I didn't know it's the Joni gem I didn't know existed, and that's down down to you. Everything comes and goes, pleasure moves on too early, and trouble leaves too slow. Just when you're thinking you finally got it made, bad news comes knocking. Sounds like she's singing at a piano bar. It's, um, yeah. I mean, the best line in that song, everything comes and goes, marked by lovers and styles of clothes. That's how I wrote down that, too. Well, and that's, (laughs) that's, that's, like, that's, yeah. Pure gold, dude. That's like when people write shit like that, you're like, where is it? That's when they get like, Alien-esque to me Like when people come up with shit like that It's I don't wild know. This song's got a long orchestral part to it I mean you consider it You know Okay You put this orchestra to it And this is all based on this woman's vocals And Right You know They put this entire show around it You know And it's Done without Without problem Because it's Joni F. Well, Mitchell Yeah And then her right. voice comes in In that resolution And it sounds like heaven Right like it's it's absolute heaven. I mean, yeah, it's it's it probably is my favorite song in the album. Certainly the one that, you know, outside of the hits, I had no idea existed. It's uh, just like this train is next, right? Yeah, there we go. That's the jazzy yep. Joni, right? I mean, again, another piano bar type smooth song. jazz. Um, yeah, the second the second side really turns into a, a, a smoother. Kind of, yeah, piano bar jazz. I didn't think about it earlier, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, but she changes the tempo so. and then, you know, they, they kind of catch it back one measure later. Like they do this, she does this really cool thing where, you know, she's directing the band to do that too. They, they basically change the tempo and then bring it back one measure later, like flawlessly just for the fuck of it. Cause they can, you know, and you know they wouldn't do that without her explicit approval. And so just little things like that, they just kind of show her attention to detail and just how much she was able to kind of drive these great musicians. I don't know. It's cool.
like this song a lot. Yeah. I was impressed. But, yeah. It was I, pretty big. I found, I found interesting too, is she was like, there was a bunch of, a bunch of producers build on this. Right. But she was of course the number one producer, which is, I mean, obviously she's got some, some, some aliens, some alien um, in her for sure. And she painted the album a little here. seriously. Oh, yeah, that's her that's painting. Crazy. Uh, Ra- raised on I robbery. Sure. I love that tune. Yeah, it's pretty good. So tune. this one caught caught me today on my way home from work, and I don't know why, but I was like, "What's the name of this guy?" <laughs> Robbie <laughs> Robertson plays uh, guitar on it. Right. Raised on <laughs> Robbie Robbery. Exactly. <laughs> So maybe it's, not, maybe it's not just maybe it's not just it's a pretty heavy name. guitar actually. Uh, it's pretty prominent in the track. Yeah, it's pretty definitely big time. Yeah. nice. score one for Canada. It, it, yeah, score another right. one for Canada. Um, Hell, she right. And then coming up on Go Troubled ahead. Child, uh, which you know to me is a very California sounding song. With Absolutely. talking about the waves of Malibu with the horns and the trumpet coming out, it's kind of dated, right? Yeah, a little bit, but little it's bit. Right. still but tight. All the horns on here kind of sound well, it's pre 80s horn type sounding, but yeah, sure. it's pretty compressed. So, and then we have uh, our final song, Twisted, uh, with uh, a very brief appearance uh, by Cheech andor Chong. <laughs> Which is kick ass. Yeah, this was a this was a song that Joni covered. I forgot the name of the original artist. It was like an old timey kind of jazz artist from you know the prohibition days or something like that. And this was the typical like, you know, uh loud woman, uh let's lock her up kind of situation and in their response, uh kind of the woman's response to that and so yeah cheech and chong play that the this girl's the, a the skit it's pretty funny this this girl's a free thinker she's got to be a witch exactly right? exactly yeah. so some of that feminist yeah i found this this last one actually she sings remind me of like billy holiday or something like that the way she's saying it um which is cool i was glad cheech and chong didn't take the song away <laughs> yeah uh yeah just a little brief appearance at the end, right? Yeah, this was a damn good album. And I think honestly, if if the if this one appeals to you, go listen to Hijera and then listen to Miles of Isles. Those are the two other jazzy ones that kind of constitute this period. And yeah. Will do. I mean, that's in the Miles of Isles is the live one with that band with those jazz monsters. Yeah, I'm listening to that tomorrow. Aha. <laughs> that's kick ass. <laughs> Yeah, good stuff. Right on. Yeah, man. Glad glad you picked this one. It's it's great to talk about yeah. Joni. And here's the thing. Um, all of us are fathers of daughters, right? Um, so I think as fathers of daughters, it's cool that we're listening to Joni. And I think we should encourage other dads to listen to Joni. So that was Joni Mitchell, Court and Spark. <laughs> I'm glad you hope you enjoyed it. And uh uh, well, I think that's about it for the Music Challenge podcast this week. Anyone got anything else? Yeah, just uh, nope. listen to women music. Um, listen to some of these female artists we have uh, we've dropped. There's some good stuff there for sure. 
Absolutely. These were good picks, Drew. Yeah. This is a, this was a good. Big time. Loved them. Good Thanks. week. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, hopefully many more good weeks to come. And uh, with that, I think we'll sign out on the Music Challenge podcast. Might have run a little late tonight. But uh, uh, for Rob, Jed, Kevin, uh, we bid you good night and uh, take it easy, everyone. Farewell. Night, guys. Bye-bye. Good night.